I kind of want to just piggyback on <clears throat> what David shared for a minute. And as he was sharing, um, <clears throat> a book came to mind. Um, most of the books I read these days are about five to ten pages long um, with more pictures than words. But you'd be surprised at the profound truths in many of those five pagers. Um, and uh, I remember the first time I read this book, it just so caught me off guard how dusty it got in the room. I started crying. That's what that means, uh, in case you're wondering. Um, it's called Three Trees. Anybody ever read that book? Okay. If you If you haven't, you should read it. It's a it's an awesome book, and I think it really illustrates part of what it means to be in the middle, as David was sharing. And I and I feel like um, even just tonight that some some of us are really right there right now in a way that um, a way that the enemy would intend to drive used to drive a wedge between you and your relationship with the Lord. And, um, you know, apart from the situations themselves and the outcomes that we don't yet know about, there is, um, there's the process, right? And we, we know that's the whole idea about it's not the destination, but the journey. But I think, um, I just feel like the Lord wants to um, remind us it's about um, about knowing him in the middle of those things. And uh, anyway, this book is just a beautiful picture of what it means to have hopes and dreams and desires um, and uh, in the twists of turns and turns of life to be confused about the possibility of those things even happening and um, and to be surprised the way that God actually redeems um, because that's who he is. And so I, I'm not going to spoil the book, all 10 pages of it, but um, you should read it. And just to say that I, I really think that um, um, this season that we're entering into this coming week, um, the season of Lent, the journey to Easter, is really a valuable one for us, especially if you find yourself right now in a place of having more questions than answers, or if you find yourself in a place of struggling with trying to make sense of your circumstances at the moment, or where you're headed or where you're not headed. And so I, I think that the, the season of Lent is so valuable to us especially when we're in that place, because we see in the life of Jesus and we see in the journey of Jesus and what appears to be the end of that journey, a cross, we see the perfect example that um, what appears to be is in all there is. Don't we? And we see that um, God himself is the example of bringing beauty from ashes, joy from sorrow, right? 
Um, that's his journey. And so anyway, I, I, I think there's something really meaningful for us, and it's part of why we, every year, we um, take time to tune our attention to um, Jesus' journey to the cross specifically as we are heading towards Easter. And so we're going to do that again this year. Um, and we're actually going to start that this evening. I want to explain how we're doing it a little bit differently this year than in years past um, and the purpose of, um, of that and what we're going to be going through together in this time. So um, if you didn't grow up with it, not familiar with it, um, the season of Lent is roughly the 40 um, days leading to Easter. And in the, in the historical church, it's been a time that's um, been observed to, to again, to um, reflect on the journey of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus leading to the cross and then ultimately to the resurrection. And, um, and so um, we're going to be spending um, about seven weeks in that together leading to Easter and this year, we're going to do something a little bit different and just praying about it and spending some time talking with our leadership. Um, I felt like um, one of the things that we really wanted to do was not only to to um, reflect on Jesus' journey, but as we start a new year and still very um, young in this new year, um, to take some time together to, to really... Um, journey through the word together. And I know we do that, but we do that in this time, we do that in a very particular way. Mainly that involves you guys hanging out and putting up with me for 30 minutes on a, on a good week, usually a little bit longer. Um, and um, I just feel like there's an opportunity for us right now to change that up a little bit. And, you know, we have home group, and, and obviously if all of you guys came to home group, we, we couldn't have home group because we wouldn't know where to fit everyone. Um, but that would be a good problem to have. But uh, home group is a time that we get to go a little bit deeper and look at intentional scriptures and ask questions and, and think through things together. But we don't often get time where we actually get to read the Bible together um, in, in a very sort of strategic way. And so um, this Lent, we're going to do that. And um, I really feel like there's something valuable that's going to come as we just practice the rhythm as a community of opening Scripture and journeying through a book of the Bible together. And to, to really take time, um, I don't know if everyone in here is is finding that rhythm on a daily and a weekly basis. But um, I know that over the next seven weeks, we are going to get to do that together. And so we're going to take time in this space, switching it up a little bit, um, moving away from the sermon format to actually um, more of a study format that's going to have some individual components and also some group components. And so starting next week, um, we're going to do that together. And I've had a chance to prepare some of that um, with a portion of our teaching team, Caitlin and Nathan and Michelle. So um, we've got some really good folks in the planning um, part of this. And so 
Um, what it's going to look like, we're going to be going through the book of Philippians together um, this Lent, and partly because we really feel like um, there's some valuable reflection on what it means to not only reflect on Jesus' suffering, but to um, understand the implications of his journey on our lives. And so uh, Book of Philippians, we'll be going through that week by week, leading up to Easter, culminating with Easter. And um, I hope you guys will try to be here for it. We're going to also be kind of um, sharing some of the info week to week um, via the weekly newsletter and that sort of thing. But the majority of our time here will be focused on that. Okay. Um, So tonight, what we're going to be doing is we're going to have a little bit of an intro on the book of Philippians. Um, Nathan's going to come up in a minute and share that with us. And then we're going to read through it together. We're going to read through the whole thing. Not all of us at once. Um, Although that might be interesting. Um, But we're going to read through um, the letter. And as we do that, I think it would just be a good... um, a good chance to to just listen to it and to receive it and to ask God for it to be fresh and new. So why don't we just pray for that right now? And um, God, we thank you for your spirit that breathes life wherever you go. And I thank you that your spirit is breathing life on your word so that it would become alive to us. And God, I thank you that by your spirit, you've led us to this time and place to receive from you. And I I thank you for the gift that is your word, the gift that is Jesus himself, and the testimony of his life, his death, and his resurrection. And Jesus, we pray that in these coming weeks that we would encounter something deep of that journey, individually and together. And God, I pray that through this time and through the power of your Spirit, that God, we would discover things about you that we never knew. And you would, in that way, you would increase our hunger for you, increase our hunger for words that perhaps pass us by sometimes without having the impact that they should. And so we pray by your spirit and by your grace that they would, that they would bring transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to invite Nathan up. He's going to share a little bit about the book of Philippians and we're going to read through it tonight. There's that in case. I mean, everybody's got their own, you know. Yeah, so I'm just really excited to have the chance to read through a whole book of the Bible at once all together. Um, and then to to go in and study it in some more depth together over the next few weeks. Um, but for now, I just want to give you a brief introduction to like what the book of Philippians is, um, so that we have that context on it as we, as we listen to it together. Um, and 
basically it's a letter from the apostle Paul to the church in the city of Philippi, which is, um, in Northern Greece. Um, Paul, um, had, as you may know from the book of Acts, gone on several different, um, trips to found churches and to share the gospel in different places in the Mediterranean. Um, and he started from Antioch and what is now Syria. Um, and the first place he went was, uh, Cyprus. Um, and then he went to Turkey or what is now Turkey and started different churches there, um, and kind of spent some time discipling leaders and to get the, get them going, that there would be people who could oversee those groups of believers. Um, and then, um, eventually he was getting further, um, further West into Turkey and he had, uh, a, a dream one night of a person, uh, from Macedonia, which is like the Northern part of Greece, just across the sea from there, uh, saying, come over and help us. Um, and so he felt, um, that that was God calling them to, to go and, and share the gospel in that region. Um, because like a lot of the other places that they were trying to minister for some reason, just weren't working out for them to go there. So, uh, Paul and, um, his companions, um, went to Macedonia and the first place they went there was Philippi. Um, and so Philippi was actually the first of uh, the first church in the continent of Europe. Um, cause they crossed over from Asia to Europe to go from Turkey to Greece. Um, and there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened to Paul there. He cast out a demon from this, um, slave girl and like set her free. Um, and then he got in trouble for that cause people were happy that he was, you know, just liberating people in Jesus name. He got thrown in jail there. Then there was an earthquake. He got out of jail. He like preached the gospel to the jailer, um, was singing hymns and praising God while he was in jail. Um, so like a lot of amazing stuff happened there. And then he was able to like set up a church there and, and ordain leaders for that, that church. Um, and then he moved on to other places. Um, and so the book of Philippians was written about 10 years after that. Um, while Paul was in prison in Rome. Um, and he was in prison because basically another one of these incidents had happened, but it had happened at the temple in Jerusalem and people accused him of, um, defiling the, the Jewish temple that basically, well, basically they were just upset that he was preaching about Jesus. Um, and Paul was like, all right, we'll, we'll just take advantage of that. And I'm going to take this all the way to the top. And he used his his privilege of appealing to Caesar that he could just go have his case heard before the emperor in Rome, um, and use that as an opportunity to preach the gospel in Rome, which he had always been wanting to do. Um, the emperor at this time was Nero, who you've probably like heard of as like a unstable and, and wicked ruler. Um, at this time he actually wasn't that bad. Um, he, no, seriously, there was, um, like a lot of people thought he was like just fine and he may have actually been fine. I think there was like some mental illness going on that got worse as he got older because it wasn't, you know, they didn't have the tools to treat that back then. Um, so he was not like this maniacal, uh, violent person that he became later on. So Paul was actually like feeling pretty optimistic about it. And in the book of Philippians, he talks about that. He, like he expects that he's going to be vindicated and he's going to be set free. Um, and as far as we know, that's actually what happened is he, he was released and he was able to go and minister for a few more years. And then like Nero got him again and things didn't go 
the same this time. And so he ended up being killed for his faith. Um, but in this case, like he, he had been in prison for probably at least a year at this point. We, um, in the book of Acts, it says he was in prison for a total of two years. Um, and this was probably written towards the end of that time, but it's just amazing how, um, uh, how optimistic he is and how much confidence and joy he has in God, uh, despite being in a difficult circumstance with a lot of uncertainty about what exactly was going to happen to him at the end of it. Um, and so he was writing this to kind of just express his gratitude to the church in Philippi. They were like one of the churches that took the lead in supporting him in his ministry. Um, and they had actually sent him financial gifts and they had also sent, um, Epaphroditus, who is a guy from the church there to go and help Paul while he was in prison. Um, and then Epaphroditus was going to leave and go back to Philippi. So he sent, sent the, the letter of Philippians along with him to just, um, express his thanks to them. And then also to take the opportunity to encourage them and warn them about some things, um, Overall, the church in Philippi doesn't seem to have had like any major problems, but they still had like some conflicts among people in the church or they had some, some tendencies to be like legalistic and, and boasting in like their works as a way of becoming right before God. And so Paul took the opportunity to talk to them about that too, um, in between thanking them for more practical matters. Um, and the other thing that's really cool about it is, is Paul names Timothy as like also one of the senders of the letter. Um, and in the book of Acts, it seems that Timothy was actually along with Paul on his journey when he'd been to Philippi the first time. So he had like seen all the things that God had done there. Um, he probably met some of the people in Philippi and then Paul was able to like, and in the process of discipling him, um, kind of collaborate with him in, in writing this letter. But, um, it, I, it is like mostly coming from Paul and not from like a group of people. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what was happening that caused this book to be written. Um, and I think now it will be a good time to read it. Um, I'm just going to read the first chapter and then we'll, um, rotate so you don't have to listen to any one person talk for too long. Um, So this is the first chapter of Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very servant nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. 
Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive good news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me the sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I will have less anxiety." Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. So I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of, of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. 
For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, <coughs> to help these women since they contend at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ, who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's house. 
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this testimony. Thank you for the testimony of the apostles and of the early church. Thank you for the way you've preserved them by your spirit. Thank you for the unity that is ours together by your spirit, through your son, under one father. And Lord, we pray, we pray these words would not be far off. We pray that these words would not be distant. God, I thank you that there's so much, so much for us here. And God, we pray in the coming days that, Lord, you would just unfold your truth. God, you would encourage your people just as you did then. God, you would strengthen us. God, you would give us courage. God, you would give us boldness. Lord, that the words that we read would become part of our lives. So God, it's just my prayer as we hear Paul speak about the courage and the sacrifice and the suffering and the joy, God, that those things would be present for us. And God, we look to you, Jesus. We look to you as our example, just as Paul did. And tonight we come to receive again your sacrifice, your your body poured, your body broken, and your blood poured out for us. God, there would be long suffering, God, there would be courage that comes from you. In Jesus' name we pray.